0: I was starving and I didn't have anything to eat. I was food insecure and I was living in a city where just struggling to find work. And so I ran out of money and I was
1: couch surfing. Hi everyone, welcome to the first episode of Bending the Line season two by Infinity Box in association with Global Shapers Mumbai, Thought for Food, the Incubation Network and the MASH Project Foundation. This is your host Shashul Gangwal and boy, is it great to be back. We have an incredible season in store for you. 20 speakers from across the globe, leading the change to a circular economy across industries will be here and sharing their experiences with us. This season is special because we also have 10 startups featuring where we get to learn about their journey and how they are creating a positive impact on the society. So let's get started. In the first episode, we have Elliot Roth, the founder of Spira, a US-based startup in the food tech space whose goal is to get consumers to drink spirulina, a blue-green algae. Elliot shares how he envisioned the idea while couchsurfing, not having food to eat, and thus having to grow his first batch of algae in a tank as his only protein source. Elliot also describes the amazing astronaut mission by none other than NASA, that he is going to be a part of so what are we waiting for let's hear from Elliot himself
2: thank you so much for being on our show today Elliot. it's an absolute pleasure to have you and uh, i am extremely inspired by spira so i would let you first just give a brief introduction to about your cool startup to all our listeners and then maybe we can deep dive into more questions sure
0: yeah it's great to be here um spira creates replacements for petroleum and animal compounds in the supply chain Uh, Predominantly for food, textile, and cosmetic companies. And we do that by creating uh, uh, CRISPR-edited, carbon-negative algae ingredients. And so we partner with farmers all over the world as a means of scaling our actual ingredients and uh, really work with these farmers as a means of supporting um, people in developing countries and then process those into higher-value compounds and ingredients to, you know, start replacing petroleum-based products in animal compounds uh, that, you know, are in the clothes we wear, um, the foods we eat, and the cosmetics and makeup that we put on our faces.
2: Wow. I mean, that that's a lot of technical terms in one sentence. But I think just to simplify for our listeners, what we're trying to say is that, you do a lot of cool stuff with algae to uh, basically do away with petroleum products in in a lot of in almost every industry, right? Cosmetics, food and beverage, etc. Mm-hmm. The problem that you're trying to solve is the existence of petroleum and these products which are, well, conventionally, very polluting, right? So how did you stumble upon that? What made you get to this problem and want to start with Spiror?
0: yeah yeah i mean put simply what spirit tries to do um, we're reinventing the foundation of the ingredients that everybody uses every single day right and doing it in a way that's carbon negative as opposed to polluting which is what we currently use with the petrochemical and animal products uh, that we use all the time and how i came across that is a roundabout story but um, in essence i was starving and i didn't have anything to eat i was food insecure And I was living in a city um, where just struggling to find work. Um, I had a number of clients when I was doing consulting that never ended up paying me. And so I ran out of money and I was couch surfing and I needed to make a decision. So I'm a millennial and luckily I have parents that could support me and have me move into their basement. I'm lucky in that way, but I wanted to figure it out on my own. And so I kind of looked around and I was like, well, what can I grow in a tiny amount of space?" for no money whatsoever, as a means of producing the most amount of nutrition. And I figure NASA had done some research into what to feed astronauts in space. And so what I did was I discovered spirulina microalgae. And I started growing spirulina in these tanks in a garage laboratory, one of my friend's garages. And I would take big scoops of spirulina and eat it as my main protein intake for two and a half months. And I survived on a diet of spirulina and food waste. And what I eventually found out is that fresh spirulina has no taste whatsoever. And it's only when you dry it or process it that it starts degrading and having those like bad tasting or like umami flavors that you normally associate with seaweed. And so what I started looking at was taking my background and expertise in genetics predominantly. And I looked at, you know, what is the genetic basis of these bad-tasting flavors? And I started using a brand new technique called CRISPR, uh, which is kind of like a, like a find and cut function and paste um, sort of like a Word document um, for DNA and doing that as a means of removing those bad-tasting flavors. But then I discovered something really interesting, uh, the fact that the pigments in algae itself are what is causing the majority of those like bitter tasting compounds. And what I decided to do is like pull out that pigment, you know, and when you extract that pigment, you're left with this like beautiful blue color that you pull out. And then you have a protein isolate that's really great in terms of replacing animal products. And so I have these two ingredients and I figured, um, you know, I might as well do something with it. And at the time I had gone through a number of business development programs and started selling these ingredients to food companies and food companies went absolutely crazy for it. And we're starting to transition to cosmetics and textile companies that want to use our carbon negative algae ingredients.
2: Wow. I mean, um, okay, being an entrepreneur myself, I think I couldn't be more inspired from uh not having food, living in your parents' basement, to being where you are, working with the biggest food companies and cosmetic companies, and finding a new compound altogether. I mean that's inspirational to say the least. So kudos to you on that. The reason that we do this, we started doing this podcast with entrepreneurs was to just tell them the other side of the story that we did bring we do bring in CSOs of mm-hmm. the big companies, but we also want to tell you that you know what, it starts small and uh, even when you're starting out small, if you do it in the impact space, If you're doing it to cause some change, um, there are people who you can look up to and there are people who are out there who you should be looking up
0: to. Approached it when I was uh, food insecure. I took a look at it from the stance of, hey, like you go into a grocery store and you look around you and all of the food products take so long to get there. You're getting like avocados from Spain in um, New York, right? And like, what does it really mean when you bring an avocado all the way over? And you have these things called birthday apples where they're kept in storage for an entire year before they're actually like eaten. And things like that just made me realize: like, why aren't we producing our own food? And I I kind of took inspiration from a lot of these vertical farming companies um, that produce food locally. But when you take a look at the kind of microgreens and vegetation that they grow it's not very nutrition, nutritious, right? Like it's just micronutrients. And so protein in particular is one of the hardest problems to solve in food. And being able to produce your own food really opens up possibilities. I wanted to, to kind of like tackle my basic needs, um, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, food, water, shelter, things like that, as a means of self-actualizing. And so I took a look at my basic needs and I was like, well, you know, how much food do I need to survive indefinitely? How do I get myself to the point where I can produce that without any money whatsoever, just consistently, continually? And uh, I did a calculation once, and it's really, for for a person, you really only need about eight elephants worth of calories uh, in order to survive your entire lifetime. And so I was like, well, you know, I should be able to, in some fashion, provide for all of my nutritional intake. And um, yeah, and so that's where the the concept, the where the thought really started. How do you enable local production? How do you enable sustainable production, carbon negative, and uh, produce these replacements that uh, that serve as healthier outcomes for people in the planet?
2: Wow, I mean, <laughs> the eight elephants analogy is quite uh, <laughs> funny and also quite real, I guess. I mean, um, you, you're very right. Being able to produce your own food. Uh, and being able to tackle this problem for everybody across the world is one of the biggest challenges that our generation faces and needs to tackle. Uh, that is why we have people like you doing that, right? So again, kudos to that. So, but but one thing I would really like to point out, which which I think is quite relevant here, is this idea of the avocados being brought from Spain to New York, right? So so food waste is is huge, right? Just across the supply chain in the farm to fork, we lose around thirty percent of the entire food that's produced. Mm -hmm. So how does your how does Pira like uh, help in reducing that food waste? And how do you see that going forward? Right? Um, How can we play the food supply chain? Right, right, right. So
0: I think um, there's a there's a number of different ways that we go about reducing overall food waste. So number one, uh, I think one of the best ways of reducing food waste is producing locally, of course. And so we partner with farmers in developing countries, not only as a means of supporting their communities, but enable local production of protein in regions where there isn't much arable land. Um, And what's great about growing algae is all you really need is a pond and you need sunlight and you need a tiny bit of water to get started and it can grow practically anywhere. And so in these areas where you wouldn't be able to grow conventional foods, they're able to produce protein locally. And so we support that by basically purchasing the crop from the farmers and then taking that and processing it in such a way that you get colors and protein out of it. And so by doing that, we enable really like local ecosystems of protein production. The second thing that we really focus on is, okay, so. All of these more harmful supply chains and ingredients that are in our food supply, uh, when you produce them, they end up emitting tons of CO2 into the atmosphere. So algae absorbs CO2 as it grows, which really helps offset a lot of the uh, more harmful ingredients. And then not only that, we replace them. So when you take a look at uh, the rainbow shimmer in gasoline, that like little iridescent shine those colors are what are in artificial colors in the food products that everybody eats. And so basically, anytime you're eating a colored food product, you're basically drinking gasoline. And that like, gross concept is what a lot of food companies are working to absolutely replace. And they made public statements that they're going to phase out all artificial colors in Europe by 2025. But you know, the hard part is when you look in nature, you have red from beets, orange from, orange from carrots, it's really hard to find blue. And so we started focusing in on using blue-green algae and pulling the blue out of that as a means of completely swapping out blue colors. And in doing so, what we do is we remove all of that CO2 from the atmosphere uh, by growing the algae, but we also displace the production of petrochemical ingredients that run off into our environments, that cause you know, allergenic effects and lead to long-term health concerns in people that eat them.
2: Wow, I mean, that that's that's a wholesome solution right there, right? I mean, it's it's quite amazing uh, what you've discovered and where you've come. Um, so going forward, right? All of this sounds like something we all should be having. But what are the challenges that you foresee in uh, as you are looking to grow now?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a couple of different challenges in scale, right? Um, one of the big challenges is just the willingness and limitations in uh, funding and financing. That's a big challenge for a lot of startup companies. Uh, what we've done is we set up our business model in such a way that by working with these farmers, all we have to do to scale the amount of production is by just partnering with more farms and working with more farmers. And um, that helps support their economies, but it also produces more you know, materials, more ingredients for us to sell to food companies. So um, what we can do is directly point at the amount of money in equals more money out, and that actually drives replacing these harmful ingredients, Um, and we're working with the trend of moving away from artificial colors and moving away from animal proteins. So it's it's there. We need a lot more money on hand in order to speed up that process, and I think there's this this interesting, um, you know, uh, just like trepidation, worry around switching to an unfamiliar ingredient. Now, when you look at the world's food supply, we predominantly get most of our nutrition from 12 crops and six animal species. And that forms the bulk of what we actually consume on a day-to-day basis. And when you take a look at that, what you realize is that there's this full spectrum of possibility outside the norm, but it's a risk. There is a risk associated with switching from something that you're familiar with, that farmers are familiar with, And what we're looking for is really partners that are willing to make that leap, make that hurdle and jump into something a little more unfamiliar so that we can really yield and get that benefit and accelerate the process to having really, really simple, better, uh, more environmentally friendly ingredients.
2: Yep, sounds good. And I think the 12 crop and six animals factor is something we all know, but never really grasp. Uh, because it, it doesn't settle in and i think that's that's very important to know that there are so many other species and so many other things we could be doing out there and um, we should be doing out there um so so this explains a lot and i think you, you're you very right that startups do face the problem of funding um but i see that you have things going on for you uh, with the nasa thing do you want to talk about that yeah. how, what exactly was that and how did that go
0: um, so, I'm kind of going back to my roots a little bit, where I was recently selected for an analog astrono- astronaut mission. And that's, that's kind of like a fancy kind of space camp. Uh, in essence, this is in collaboration with NASA Goddard uh, <laughs> and the International Moon Base Alliance. And I'm going to be living on the side of a volcano in Hawaii for the span of two weeks with five strangers all of them scientists, as a means of simulating what it would be like to live on the moon, live and work in space. And by doing so, I'm going to have to wear like a spacesuit anytime I go outside this habitat. I'm going to have to eat freeze-dried food and grow spirulina in that environment. And so I'm going to be really growing spirulina algae as a means of providing for myself and my crewmates. And that's part of the reason why I was selected because of my previous experience in growing all of my protein content using spirulina, and so that's really exciting. And we're we're actually hoping to use that mission and that media attention from that as a means of launching like more of um, our our fundraising campaign and showcasing like these are the kind of technologies that we work on. These are the kind of ingredients that we produce. And by supporting us, not only are you really like helping yourselves and enabling a more you know, stable and healthier ingredient ecosystem and foundational supply chain, but you could also enable future technologies that are really in in reality
2: out of this world. Wow! Well, I mean, the, that space camp sounds very very cool, and I think that would be it's a way for a lot of people to go there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I mean, this is this is extremely exciting, uh, Elliot, and I think. You've had an incredible journey starting from where you were, and uh, I think we should we ought to just congratulate you in doing what you are and helping us discover these new algae which can do so many things, right? Not only absorb CO2, but uh, provide a new source of protein. And I, I really hope that we succeed, uh, that that you guys succeed, and we all succeed in terms of incorpor- incorporating spirulina into our own lifestyles. Because at the end of the day, till uh, we all we all like come together and reduce our footprint, it doesn't really matter. So I really hope you succeed so that we all can succeed together. And if there's anything you'd like to talk to, tell our listeners, please go ahead. Sure. Yeah,
0: I would. Thank you so much. Um, I mean, it's astounding to be able to share my story and have other people realize that, um, you know, this very old life form, something that was around at the very start of Earth, the start of the planet, something that produces the majority of the oxygen that we breathe is something that we should come back around to. I mean, algae is part of the reason why we have all the plants that we use nowadays. And it's the main reason why we have life on planet Earth in the way that it is. And so, by coming back to it, you know, taking in all of these old world concepts and putting them in a new kind of light, it enables us to get simpler and more efficient and more effective and really start um, enabling prosperity and moving towards this post scarcity future that I hope that we can really, you know, really embody. And so, um, yeah, I hope if people want to join along with the journey, uh, you can head to our website, Spira Inc, S-P-I-R-A-I-N-C.com, or follow us on social media in the same kind of way. Um, And yeah, if you want to connect with me uh, personally, my handle is that M-R-E, that Mr. E. And uh, I'm on all social platforms. So feel free to reach out if you have any questions or you want to connect and uh, find ways to collaborate.
2: And also how to become an astronaut. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, um, I will be posting about my journey uh, as an astronaut candidate, as well as showcasing a lot of the experiments that we're going to be running. Um, it'll be really uh, not only a fun experience, but something that I hope can lend itself to life on other planets Um, and people having an enjoyable future in space.
2: I certainly hope so too. Amazing. Thank you so much for this, Elliot. It's, It's been an absolute pleasure and I wish you the best of luck in your journey.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in today. I hope Elliot's journey and the mission he has taken up inspires other budding entrepreneurs and we see more innovation in the food tech space. Follow Infinity Box and stay tuned for more episodes.